Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Why do we have insights when our mind is quiet? How do insights play a role in our ability to learn? And when do they impact the trajectory of our lives? Welcome to Insight Out, where we explore these questions and dissect how insights influence who we are and ultimately who we become. I interview New York Times bestselling authors and some of the most influential minds of our time to find out what insights have helped to make them who they are. When I realized that the world worked in many different ways, I'm gonna choose to create a life that is specifically designed for me. I see infinite capacity to think and create. That's the magic that we all have. You can tap into that any point in your life. You just have to decide to do it. And as a leader, you have to be a transition figure. As Dr. Covey said, be a light, not a judge. Be a model, not a critic. If you're like me, constantly working to design a life that will allow you to reach your fullest potential so that you can leave your mark on this planet, then you're in the right place. I'm glad to have you on this journey and hope you enjoy this episode of Inside Out. I'm Billy Samoa, and I'm joined by the one, the only, the man, the myth, the legend, Brendan Kumarasamy. And today we're going to talk about somebody who he has found so much wisdom from over the last year, year and a half, and that's Alex Hermosi, who's a, I'll let Brendan share the story, but he's a YouTuber, successful businessman, sharing tons of really, really insightful ideas. And you've shared a video with me, I don't know, maybe six months ago that blew me away. And ever since then, I've been super fascinated by him and his rise as a thought leader, as an influencer, for lack of a better description, and really the way in which he shares ideas that matter. And actually, one of those ideas is this idea that the idea itself might not matter. It's what you actually do with it, right? As as a general theme. And so we'll get into the details of that in a minute. But before we do, I want to talk about one quick thing, which is this idea of needing thick skin. And I'm going to put you on the spot. You did a collab this week as a YouTuber. Brendan, if you haven't checked out his YouTube channel, Master Talk, go check it out. He did a collaboration this year with the another YouTuber in the communication space like he is. You got a little bit of hate. You got a little bit of hate, man. What happened? Yeah, man. It's always great to talk to you, which is interesting because I usually don't get this because remember, at the end of the day, I'm just a dude making YouTube Because everyone loves you. Because everyone loves you. (laughs) I think it's more the nature of my topic. Like It's not very controversial. I I, I Mm. share tips on communication. Hey, maybe that's a problem. Maybe that is. (laughs) (laughs) Say something controversial. By the way, that's a topic too. Like, why you? Should, I mean, we. I think we've already talked about this, but why? It's not a bad idea to say something that might throw people off or be a little bit controversial. But yes, please do tell what you experienced over the last week. I definitely agree. Controversial is important, but not controversial in the sense of like 
where there's no meaning behind the controversy. There's no logic yeah. behind it. But definitely in the context of the collab. So I've been waiting to collab with Alex Lyon for years. I never actually thought it would happen. He's the one who, who reached out and we did a video together, which is which was great. And it was an honor for me to do that. But what I found really fascinating was the response from his audience was not what I was expecting. Sure, definitely. A lot of the comments I got were very positive. Oh yeah, Brendan's got some new fresh tips. It's really good. Never really heard it this way before. I love the jigsaw puzzle analogy that I'm sure we talked about 50 times at this point on this podcast but i also noticed like 30 percent, not like five percent 30 percent of the comments were actually very negative i got comments like this guy is bourgeois he thinks he's full of himself he talks about how he used to be scared of communication why is he able to do that that makes him really cocky and i was just reading these comments and i didn't really understand where some of these came from but you know you got to lead with love sometimes and it's a good reminder for all of us that if you want to be in the media business or if you want to do anything with your life you got to deal with uh with people not liking you. And it also goes back to what Alex Hermosi talks a lot about as well, since we're kind of mixing him into the conversation, which is the following. If you want to impact 10,000 lives, a lot of people talk about changing the world. They don't really focus on the dark side of success, which is if you want to help 10,000 people, you can get used to the idea that four or 500 people are going to hate your guts for no reason other than you being you. Because remember, Billy, nobody is booing nobody's. So if you're somebody, it means people are going to start booing you. Mm, powerful first tip, man. And I, I think it's so true. And often we forget that when we get that hate, that negativity, it's not a reflection of you. It's likely a reflection of them, of that other person. And guess what? It probably means you're on the right track. It probably means you're doing something right. To get criticized means that you're being seen, means that probably there's a bit of jealousy. Probably there's a bit of them wishing they could do what you're doing. And naturally, human beings are going to be resistant to that. And it shows up in a lot of ways. Sometimes it could be super hurtful, disrespectful, hateful. And it's not because you've done anything wrong. In fact, you're probably doing something right if you're starting to see some naysayers or haters. So let's back up and talk a little bit about Alex's backstory. Where did this guy come from? Because he only has been in the limelight, so to speak, at least more public on YouTube for a short time. But his channel's grown very fast. He's, I think, developing a, a pretty strong, loyal following of fans, yourself being one of them, and to a certain degree, me as well. Where did he come from, though? Like, what's his backstory? So for context, for everyone's listening, Alex Hermosi is the CEO of Acquisition.com. So Acquisition.com is a portfolio company doing around 85 to $100 million a year right now. And essentially what he does is he takes equity stakes into different internet-based companies that he believe will be industry leaders in their space. That's what he does. He advises companies 3 million and above. Think of them like a, a semi-private equity firm. But instead of going and pushing for an exit and forcing them to sell the company, they're more of an advisor and they take a minority stake in the business. But where did Alex Hormozzi start? So his story actually begins at Vanderbilt University. So he studied there. He's Persian originally. And his goal was never to be an entrepreneur. And what's interesting about Alex, and I think why he's resonated so much with me, Billy, is me and him have a very similar story in the sense that he became a management consultant at a business school. So he worked for Booz Allen, Hamilton, for two years. He was a management consultant there. And he had a lot of money saved up. And after two years of doing that, he realized that he was really, really miserable. He hated his life. He was working hard, but he just didn't see the fulfillment 
out of life. And then after what had happened, Billy, was after a few years at Booz Allen, he was, got really passionate about the fitness space. And he said, what could I do in the fitness space that's really interesting? So he started cold emailing a lot of fitness influencers when he was around 25, 26, around my age, if memory calls. And he reached out to one big influencer in California. And when that guy said yes to just helping him, he literally drove there the next day, packed up all of his stuff, quit his job and consulting and started the fitness business to try and own gyms. And then to kind of skip the story a little bit, after that, he made a lot of mistakes. He didn't know what entrepreneurship was. He had $50,000 in savings from his company, his corporate job, and he pretty much blew almost all of it in like the first three months. And he started getting really good at gyms, at managing gyms, running gyms, building gyms. And then eventually he got the idea for a company named Gym Launch, which is where he made most of his money in the early days, which he realized that all the experience he had selling gyms, getting people into weight loss programs and all these things can be taught to other gym owners. So he started developing a client base of gym owners and started teaching him what he used to do instead of owning his own gyms. And that's why his his business exploded. Like I think when he was 26 or 27, he was like $100,000 in debt. And then after that, literally a year later, his business was doing like $200,000 a month and then $3 million a month, which is pretty nuts. So he had a lot of success really quickly. And then in his early 20s, his early 30s, I mean, he sold a, a majority stake of the business for like $47 million or something to a private equity firm. So that's the summary. Walk us through a few of the insights because you one of the things you do so well is you write down things that strike you as important and impactful and can actually be applied in your life. So you and I talked right before this and you were sharing some of those. Wonder if you could give me like the top two or three and then we'll unpack those. Yeah, absolutely, Billy. I mean, you know what's interesting about Alex Hormozzi is he's definitely an anomaly. It's been a long time, to be honest, since I found someone that was really, really, really impressed by. So it started with Lewis Howes, obviously, as we all know. You know, I listened to his podcast for many years, and then it was Seth Godin, people like Gary Vaynerchuk, Tony Robbins, and I started learning about these characters. But ever since that era, I must say, Billy, it's been a long time since I've met someone that really shocked me to my core. Because after you get really well-versed into personal development, like me, and you're just listening to a lot of podcasts, it's really difficult to hear something new. But then what happened is I stumbled upon Alex Hormozzi. And when I stumbled upon Alex Hormozzi, I was really surprised because I said, wow, a lot of the insights that I'm learning from this guy is really special, really unique, and really interesting. And it was those insights that really got me interested in the brand. So let's go ahead and talk about a couple of these. Let's go with insight number one. Insight number one is we need to be reminded more than we are taught. So what does this mean? Alex Hermosi always talks about the idea that we're not really looking for information. A lot of us already have the information we need, but we often need to be reminded of what we already know so that we're actually implementing this. Another way of looking at this is not ask yourselves the question, do I know this, but rather, am I implementing this? So going back to this idea that we need to be reminded more often than we are taught is a good mental cue for all of us to go back and ask ourselves, hmm, am I really implementing what I'm preaching? Am I actually using the information to take action on what I'm doing? That's one thing. The other piece is always learn to focus on one or two things in your life. So one thing that Alex has done extremely well, Billy, is he's really been focused on this idea of how do I take 
all of these companies, all of these organizations into being really successful. And what he argues is that the people who do become successful in life, most of them, often focus on the same idea or the same thing for extremely long periods of time. And one example that he gives who lives in his apartment is a guy named Andrew Churn. And Andrew Churn is the CEO of Panda Express. Panda Express is a restaurant company, right, that sells like orange chicken, all this stuff. But because he's been working on this business like 40, 50 years for a really long time, he knows that business better than anyone on earth. So anyone who's trying to compete against Andrew is going to have a tough time beating this guy because he's super smart and talented and he has a vision for the business and he's been playing long enough in that game to let the compounding effect of time take its course. Right, So going back to that compounding effect, what is the message for all of us? And this is what he always says. He says one big check, one fat check is bigger than two separate checks to two small checks. So in our businesses, in our lives, and what we're doing, if we choose to find focus in our life, if we choose to focus on one or two things and we invest the time to do that, we'll naturally get really good at this. Here's a quick example to demonstrate this. Let's say we take me. So in the context of what I do, let's say I spent my life doing three different businesses. Let's say I was a communication coach. Let's say I sold the mugs. And let's say I was a baker. And let's say I worked really hard. Let's say I worked 15 hours a day. Well, if I spent five hours a day on coaching for speaking, if I spent five hours a day on baking, and then another five hours a day on the third business, like selling mugs, I would probably be somewhat successful with all three, but I'll never be as successful as the guy who's spending 15 hours a day on just one of those three things. Because just mathematically, what this plays out to, Billy, is mathematically the person who's spending 15 hours a day just on that one thing is just learning more about that business that you just can't catch up on. And if they do that for 40 years, they'll just know so much more than you would about that industry and have the relationships, have the trust, have the customer support to be able to become a gorilla in their market. So this really goes back to the idea of how many things are we focused on? And this really helped validate what I was doing, Billy, which is focusing on one thing. Like at the end of the day, my focus is really communication coaching. That's what I want to do in life. That's really what I want to spend my life doing. And I don't plan on doing anything else in life. That's really what I want to do. I want to focus all of my energy, all my attention on being the best in the world at this one thing. But because I've been in this business since I was 19, and it's been seven years now that I've been coaching people, and I'm only 26, I have my whole life in front of me. And if I just stay focused on this one thing, it's really hard for other people to compete against me just by nature of the fact that I've been in the business much longer and I have an advantage no one else can really get, which is time. Time in the market, time in the business, and I don't do anything else. The other piece that I got from, from Alex Billy is the idea of the burning wish. So the burning wish is a card from a trading card game called Magic the Gathering. And the quote reads as follows, she wished for a weapon but not the skill to wield it. And the reason that Alex has that in his office, Billy, is because when we think about the burning wish, we all want things in life. We all desire things in life. We all seek things in life. But very few of us ask for the skill to wield it, the skill to actually understand how money works, rather than wishing for the money, wishing for the skill and how to reproduce it. Rather than wishing for a vacation, understanding how to make our life a vacation. The skill to wield it 
is often more important than the actual thing itself. And this is what Burning Wish is a constant reminder for Alex Billy in the sense that we must always wish for the right thing. Not wish for the end goal, but rather the process that leads to the end goal. Because if we have the process that leads to the end goal, well, if we lose the end result, we can just reproduce it. Because if you have the skills to make a million dollar business and you lose the business tomorrow for some reason, you have the skill set to rebuild because you know how to build a million dollar business. And that's really what's important. And the burning wish really emphasizes that. And what I like is the the next piece here. He says that if you want to help 10,000 people, you need to be prepared with the thought that 500 people won't like you. And this is just a natural course of life that I feel he really emphasizes, Billy, in the sense that if you help 10,000 people, 500 people won't really like you. And the reason this insight is so important is because when we're trying to help millions of lives, the dark side of success is understanding that thousands and tens of thousands of people will not like you. And Gary Vaynerchuk is such a great example of this in the sense that Gary is known to be really controversial. Some people really love him, like I do. Other people really don't for some reason. And that's really the key. So let's just go ahead and recap everything that we learned from Alex Hormozzi here, Billy. So the first one is really this idea that we need to be reminded more than we're taught. So in the sense that we already have all the right information, we have the right knowledge, but if we really focus on being reminded of that knowledge, we ask ourselves a more important question, which is, are we implementing this thing, not just knowing this thing? So that's number one. Totally get that, right? Because we all hear something we're like, oh yeah, I want to do that. And then something else happens, call it life, call it whatever, and then we forget to do that. So guaranteed, anybody listening or watching can relate to that reality. We have the right intentions we want to do, we want to take action, we want to be doers and all of this, but life often gets in the way or we don't have some kind of system in place to allow ourselves to put into action what we've learned or what we've just been reminded of. Because to his point, most of what we quote unquote learn, we already knew, we just got reminded of it. Maybe it was shared in a different way or a more impactful way, or maybe we're in a different place where we can accept this information in a different way. So the question I have for you though, before we get into the next topic is, does he give any, or do you have any ideas or suggestions to begin implementing? And if you already said it, by all means, feel free to explain what you said before. No, you're all good, brother. So absolutely. You know, the way I think about it is called the priority list. So when we're reminded of what we need to do, there's a couple of easy strategies that we can use. Number one that I've done, and I'm not perfect at this either. I've definitely messed up a couple of times on this. It's having a notepad called actions to implement. So that way, that notepad only has things that we need to do. So that way our thoughts are organized and whether we prioritize it now or later, at least we know what we need to work on. I'll give you an example for something I'm working on right now. I'm working on my daily LinkedIn strategy for 2022 and I finished yesterday after like months of grueling and making all of this content. So now the next step is to make all of my daily content strategy on LinkedIn for 2023, which I started today. I know that's my focus. So I won't worry too much about the knowledge that I'm listening to. I'm going to focus on getting this task done. But I also have other tasks on my priority list too that I need to finish 
But the key is really tackling those things one at a time. But the other piece, which is important to note, is to not let dis information distract us from our day to day. So here's the way I think about it. There's kind of like two separate roles that you have as like the CEO of your own life. One hat is where you're actually executing the thing that you're trying to do. Okay, I need to post one video a week. I need to create all this content. I need to coach these clients. I need to close this to make my sales. But the other piece, which should be 10% of your time, is learning new information and ideas that helps remind us either of the focus that we're on or to create new ideas that we didn't otherwise think of before. So that's the way I would tackle it. Mm, yeah, powerful. Okay, cool. That's that. God, man, it's so important, right? Because I know I get super excited. And when I, especially when there's something like I already knew, but I haven't been doing, but like I get excited when I think, oh, I haven't been doing this, but I know I need to. But if you don't have some kind of action taker system and it, you've helped to illustrate one, you're going to have a struggle in terms of actually ending up doing it. So really important. Okay, Liz, what's the second thing you mentioned? And I'll give you a personal example. We'll get to the second example. People have been telling me to go on TikTok for like a year and a half now. And I still haven't done it. I still haven't taken action on it. And my buddy, who's literally in the same industry as me, texted me the other day. He's my age, too, on top of that. You should actually meet him, Billy. His name is Yasir. Really good guy. So he's a public speaking coach. He's a brown guy. And he lives in Toronto. And I was telling him how, how life is. And he's like, dude, my business blew up. And I was like, oh, why is it? Because of LinkedIn? Or he's like, nah, man, TikTok. I got 280,000 followers, more than Alex Ramosi in like eight months of posting content. Wow. And I closed like 30, 40K in like a quarter. He just started his business. Bro. And I was yeah. like, shit, that's amazing. So yes. And I'm super happy for him, by the way. He's, he's doing great. But the point I want to drive is, yeah, like there's things that Brendan should be doing that I'm not prioritizing. But you know what? I like LinkedIn. I'm closing a lot of business on LinkedIn. And, I, and if I try to do both, I'll mess up both. Because like his LinkedIn strategy, not to shit on him too much because he's doing great. Like his LinkedIn strategy <laughs> isn't great either. But my LinkedIn strategy yeah. is awesome. So I think the key is all about you need to figure out what that list is and prioritize effectively regardless of the distractions, yeah. even if I should probably do that. But the point is you need to be focused in general. Whereas I think the mm. problem is we get distracted by too many things, but we don't actually make a decision of what the plan is. And that's the gap for most of us. And that, that was the video that you sent to me about, I don't know, like I said, six months ago, th that is the secret recipe to success is focus. If you try to do too many things, spread yourself too thin, you're not focusing on that one thing that's going to really move the needle. And that becomes a disservice to whatever it is you're trying to do. So let's go to number two. 100% brother. So number two, so the first one is really, re we need to be reminded more than we're taught. The second one, it really goes back to this idea of focus right here. Alex always likes to say, and I'll use an example here, that one fat check is always better than two normal checks. So a lot mm. of people tend to think, oh, if I work on multiple businesses or multiple ideas, I can generate seven passive streams of income and be successful. Whereas the truth is most successful business owners concentrate first on one thing and then they narrow out later if they want to. So I'll give you an mm -hmm. example. Gary Vaynerchuk. Yeah, sure. He's always preaching, do multiple things, experiment different. That's easy for him to say because he's worth hundreds of millions of dollars and he has teams now that can work on multiple ideas with him. Whereas the true reality is when he built VaynerMedia when he was 33, 34, he had no money and no leverage. He spent most of his time just on Vayner, just on closing marketing 
contracts mm-hmm. from Fortune 500 clients. And then after that scaled up, then he ventured into different ideas. Another great example that Alex Hermosi himself mentions is a guy who's in his apartment building who actually owns the entire building and the building next to it. And it's a guy named Andrew Churn. And Andrew Churn is the CEO of Panda Express. It's a Chinese restaurant franchise in the US. You might have actually been there yourself so or anyone. But the point that Alex drives with Andrew is Andrew's been in the restaurant game for 45 years. So because he's been in the same business, he's really good at making orange chicken. He is really good at making General Tao. He knows that business so well that it's really hard to compete against him. So if you're somebody who's just willy-nilly building a restaurant and you're doing the half of your time, the other half you're, I don't know, you're doing a coaching business and this dude is spending every second of his life thinking about orange chicken... Boy, is he going to give you a run for your money. And I feel that's such a powerful reminder for all of us in the same way it is for me with communication coaching. They're like, say, hey, the biggest competitive advantage is time, time spent in the business. If you know more than everyone else and you're willing to stay the course and give one area of focus for your life, you will yeah. decimate your competition. Mm. Love that, man. You said it so well. It doesn't need to be restated in any way, shape, or form. And I think the only thing I'll say is that too many of us, myself included, have fallen victim to the shiny object syndrome because we want change. We want different. We as human beings, we like things to be new and exciting. We don't want the same thing over and over again because that could be boring. But the problem is boring's good if you're going to keep the course with whatever it is you're doing and become that much better. Imagine 1% better every day on whatever it is you're doing, whether it be a golf pro or a coach or orange chicken, you get 1% better every single day. That compounds. That's compound interest in your livelihood, in your business, in your relationship, whatever it is. This is why I love your jump-ins because it gives me new ideas, right? So a couple of thoughts on what you just said. Number one, Alex says this so well. He says, we can be emotional in our lives, but we should never be emotional in our businesses. And what he Mm. means by that is he says, look, you want variety? You want excitement, Brent? This is me too. Brendan has variety too. You just don't see it because I'm always talking about- Because he eats eats curry every day. Like pork curry that your mom makes for you and brings down to your base. (laughs) There you go. Right. But that's the thing, right? Is we're all, like you said, you want variety in your life, go for it, but not in your business. You can go buy yourself a nice car if you want. If you're a successful business owner, you can go rent something, you can go on a golf course, you can go on a trip, but don't screw up the business because the business should not have any emotions in it. What's working? Triple down on what's working and make it boring and repeatable over time. The other piece that was a rude awakening for me is what's often boring for us is exciting and thrilling for other people. Think about a new client that would be onboarded at Podify now, right? Your podcast production business. I'm sure the first time you onboarded a client, yeah, that client wasn't too happy. It was like, holy shit, like this is not working. This is not working. But the person now who's being onboarded, for you, it's like, oh my God, now we have all these standard opera. Now it's boring. But the person who's being onboarded, who's writing you the fat check to work with you, they're happy as could be. Mm-hmm. Same thing with me. When I started my first communication group, it wasn't a shit show, but it was pretty close to that. Everyone got a result, but boy, I was like going all over the place. And now everything's like dialed in all my systems. I know exactly what to do at this minute of this week. And yeah, mm-hmm. it's a little bit boring for me, but the results that people are getting 
are systematized now. Now it's just like mm-hmm. easy. Like I could get a dog a result now. And that's the <laughs> point of a goat. By the way, Brendan is taking dogs as clients now. It started with professionals, especially executives, CEOs. Then he started a kid's program. This is no joke. If you have a kid that wants to get better at communication and why not start as a child? And now just released, you heard it here first. Dog communication training by Brendan Kumar Asami at Master Talk. Love it. <laughs> Absolutely, man. And that's the key is like, it's a reminder for all of us, right, Billy? That when we start to bring emotion into our business, that's when we start to lose. Whereas mm-hmm. I've, what Alex has found is the people who are successful, the people who make it to the end are often the people who are willing to do the boring work long enough. I mean, imagine, dude, I was having a coaching call with Vamsi. For those who know, Vamsi is my business partner. And I was telling him, to be honest, to be frank, I was like, oh, Vamsi, I'm so impatient. I should be way more successful than I am today. I was like whining to him. And Vamsi said, do you realize, Brendan, that you are the only coach in the world who has been seven years coaching CEOs and executives, and you're only 26? Imagine if you did this for 10 more years. Where would you be relative to everyone else? And I thought about it, and I was like, yep, he's right. I just got to keep doing the boarding words and shut my mouth. <laughs> so yeah, I love it. so we're all learning. That's the key. I'm curious, how how do you think Alex synthesizes these ideas? Do you think he's putting a lot of thought in? Do you think he's borrowing this from other people and repackaging? Are they unique to him? What do you think? I personally think Alex is actually one of the few characters that has really impressed me over the years because it's been a long time since I've been seriously impressed with somebody. From a thought leadership perspective, I mean, obviously, you know, I love you to death, but I meant, I meant more in the sense of where I'm listening to someone talk and I go, holy shit, I know 0% of what this person is talking about. That's only happened a handful of times in my life. The first time that happened was Lewis Howes, and then Scott Harrison, Gary Vee, and all these different people. But then after that, it was Alex and his thought leadership. So one piece, he says, success is the only real form of revenge. If you want to get revenge on people, just be successful. And that's the only revenge that matters. Not trying to do bad things to people, just win, which I love. The second one is simple scales, fancy fails. Scaling a business is already hard as it is. So you're better off making it as simple as possible because it's already going to be hard. So if you make it fancy, you got 10 different products, you're doing 100 different things, you're never going to scale. And then the another one is, I like his point of view on passive income too. He, he basically talks about how passive income is a crock because he says that if we love playing the game, why are we trying so hard to leave it? And there's a year, a video where he talks about how he made a ton of money. I mean, this guy's a multi-deca millionaire at this point. I'd probably guess his net worth is like $30, $50 million at this point in cash. And he actually talked about how miserable he was because there's nothing left for him to do. Like he has no work. Now he has all the passive income, but he was depressed because it's like, well, what's the point of waking up every day now? So he challenges this idea of passive income and says, you should get it, but don't do it as a means of an end. Mm Because if you just work for the passive income, you'll work for nothing. So let me take a pause on the insights and jump into your bigger question, which is something I haven't really thought about myself, to be honest. I'm glad you asked. That's why I love talking to you is what is it about a process that makes it unique? I don't want to sound cocky here, but my immediate answer is I feel that he does what I do, but better than I do it. That's my immediate answer in the sense that he probably has a similar system and I have to talk to him. I'm lucky in the sense Vamsi knows the guy who knows Alex very well. So I might get an introduction to him eventually and I'll talk to him myself at some point and ask him these things. Or maybe you should interview him. That'd be cool. That'd be super epic. 
I would listen to that like seven times, honestly. I'm not even kidding. But the way I see it right now from kind of outside looking in, I would guess he has a similar process than I do, but his process is more scaled out. What do I mean by that? What I mean by that, Billy, is my version of the system and how I generate ideas, let's face it, it's very poor-esque. I have a notepad. I don't have a lot of money. I mean, okay, I do well now, but you know what I mean? Like, I don't have millions of dollars. I'm kind of writing things down. I'm going all over the place, and I'm kind of structuring things as we go. I feel Alex is a much better system than I do, where he's got team members managing a lot of his thoughts. Like, for example, here's what an Alex Hormozy play would look like that I can't do. Where, I mean, if you have multi-million dollars, you could say, hey, assistant, I have this idea, make an infographic out of it. Like, do it now in like an hour. So then that person can like make an infographic for Alex. I don't have that type of leverage. So I can't like do that. Whereas what Alex I feel has done well is not only coming up with the insights, he's able to get other forms of leverage to mm -hmm. throw those insights and systematize them. And I think the biggest leverage is really through people. His executive assistant is a machine based on the hours I've researched him. So I think I think it's mostly through his EA who's able to take all of the insights Alex is kind of throwing her and just creating books and situations out of them. So let's just take one of those insights. Let's take simple scales, fancy fails. How does he take a one word quote or idea or insight and make it a little bit more weighty and more memorable and more actionable. And because he's got YouTube videos, right? That may be the premise, but there's more to it. So, what are the ways in which he brings home the message even more impactfully? It's a difficult puzzle to solve, man. I would say right now, this is probably the hardest question you asked me, by the way, besides the whole feedback for Lewis one, that was the other hard one. I would say for me, the reason why Alex is great at what he does, quite simply, is he's very thoughtful. But to give mm -hmm. more perspective, he has a lot of experience, Billy. He has a yeah. lot of experience in business. So whenever he ponders something, it's always in the context of what he's done. And this is why, by the way, we've never heard of Alex Hermosi until he was successful. Successful. He actually says a lot in his content that he never wanted to create organic content because he wanted to be successful first. And then he created content about how he built a successful business. But the other reason he never built content is because he, that's why his company is called acquisition.com. This guy is a machine at acquiring customers. He's so good at paid ads. Facebook ads is actually what made his career. He's extremely ruthless in the early 2010s. So he never needed organic content. That gives you some context. But in terms of the YouTube channel itself, a lot of his YouTube, I've, I've listened to 80% of them, by the way, so I can definitely speak on this. Whenever he talks, it's never as structured like me. He is more of an I don't give an F mentality. And I mean that as a compliment to him, not an insult. So in the sense that whenever he's talking, he's saying yeah. something and then he goes like, for example, simplicity scales, fancy fails. And then he says, well, in my business, when I tried doing multiple products with gym launch, everything messed up was when I realized that when I put all my focus on just selling one product to one customer, my ad spend was better managed. I was able to control the deliverer much more and it was a lot easier to deliver for exceptional service because when I niche down to one customer, I know that technology executive, that gym owner is always going to get value. Whereas, well, not necessarily veterinarian, I don't know why I use that word instead of a different profession, would necessarily get the same experience because I used to be a gym owner, not a veterinarian, right? So, mm. so those are the types of nuances. So it's not really like, he's not really trying to sound fancy like me. I'll admit it, by the way, on the record, my goal is really to sound fancy. I like sounding fancy. I'm a, I'm a communicator 
communication guy. So I'm really going to look and try and find a way to make it sound cool. Alex isn't that way. I think it's more of, except this podcast where I'm super unfiltered and I mess up like 50% of the time of the show. But I would say Alex... He actually messes up on purpose 80 to 90% of the time as he's talking because he really doesn't give a shit. It's part of his, the appeal is that he's raw, he's unfiltered. You're not getting a polished, perfectly worded dissertation. You're getting a very organic, natural and conversational advice and tips. And they're rooted in his experience, which I'm glad you brought that up because that's what I was thinking too. When you said, Hey, he's a, he's this version of you or whatever, you know, comparing him to you. Look, he's able to not only does have these ideas, but they are brought to life by him using and weaving in either his own firsthand experience or perhaps other things. By the way, anybody who's doing or wants to do something similar, yes, you can pull from your own experiences, but you can also research. You can also find other examples. You can look for people, successful people, stories, things of that nature that you can draw from to help emphasize and articulate your message in a way that will resonate because stories do help to provide clarity, to emotionally connect with an audience, which as a communication coach, I know you, of course, know the power of that. So what haven't we explored yet about Alex that we should? Yeah, brother, you actually made me think of a framework just now that I'm kind of riffing off here is the idea of how do we structure and disseminate information like Alex Hermosi? And to be honest, prior to the show, it would have been really hard to answer this question, but I feel I have an idea now because I feel I followed the same framework as he did. So it's kind of like going to a gym, right? What's the best thing to do? Take a 450 pound barbell and just lift it up? No, of course not. Especially in my case, I'd break all my the bones in my body. So I would say the first step is start with what you know. That would be the first step. So think about me as an example. I'll just use me as a cross-reference here. I wasn't that great at disseminating ideas until I focused only on communication. Because a lot of my thought leadership, even to this day, we kind of have fun on this podcast, but 80-90% of where my brain power goes is really on how do I create new information for communication. So whenever I created thought leadership, it was easy for me to do that because I have a lot of deep expertise in that area, right? Like years of doing this myself and coaching a bunch of people. But there's that first step and for other people, it could be baking, it could be cooking, it could be knitting. Like my mom is like knitting every day. She's like uh, doing like these quilts. I don't understand her, but she loves it. She watches quil <laughs> quilts every day, confuses the hell out of me, but she loves it. She's great at it. So I think the first step is really starting with what you know. I feel the research and all that stuff is great, but it also a lot of people I feel won't take action on that either. So I would start with the deep expertise. And then the mm -hmm. second step is now you've gone to the gym. Now you know what it's like to create cool, fresh ideas based on what you already know. And then you jump into the comfort zone of other areas of life. So for me, I started with communication. And then as I got comfortable with this, I was like, okay, like I know enough now that clients aren't yelling at me anymore and everyone's happy. So then when I get new esoteric questions, I go, you know, let me try and chew on this. I always ordered the same bloody thing at the restaurant, but I've been at this restaurant 50 times now. And I know the waiters, I know the staff, so they won't mind if I order something bad, I need to get a refund or something because I know the owner now. So now I'm going to try, now I've gone to the extreme where now I'm purposefully screwing up in the public with you asking me the hardest question I can get asked on the planet because you know everything that's in my mind. I think Alex followed the same framework. He just hasn't explained it as eloquently as I am right now, quote unquote, where he started with his deep expertise. What do I know? I know gyms, so I'm going to coach gym owners. And then he started doing business. Now I'm going to coach business. 
And then the third piece is now I'm going to coach business to the world. And now let me talk about my relationship with my wife. Now let me talk about my health. Now let me talk about therapy in general. And now he's talking about trauma. Now he's really entering areas <laughs> that I don't even know if you should go into. But what I like about him is he's daring to go into those areas. That's the fun. That's why I like Alex. But, and I know I've said this 10 times on the show, but I'll say it again. It's rare to see someone like him. It's been a long time since I've been impressed with somebody. And I think the reason why I've been so impressed with Alex in recent years, I literally spend most of my time listening to him now and a couple of other podcasts. But the reason is because he's so unique. And the reason he's so unique is simply because he's not afraid to fail and he's just willing to experiment with a bunch of shit. Do you remember when you first found him? Was it a specific video that stood out or what was it? Super clear. It was Grant Cardone. So he posted a video. I was watching Grant Cardone videos. I like Grant Cardone. I don't care what other people say. For me, my perspective, I might as well throw that perspective out since we're listening. From my perspective, guys, it's simple. If someone's more successful than me, I got to kill my ego and ask myself, what are they doing better than me? Grant's doing a better job than me at media. So I'm going to sit down. I'm going to listen to what he says. There was this one video that Alex Hermosi posted. At this time, I didn't know who this guy was. He looks a big gym owner. I was like, what the hell? I don't care about gyms. And the video was, what did I learn from spending $40,000 for a one-on-one called Grant Cardone? It's very clip big. So I clicked it and I listened to it. And boy, was I impressed. And the thing I was the most impressed by was he was very open. I really like open people. That's why I try to be with my brand. And that's what I love about you too, is we're both very open. We don't try and like hide shit. And what I liked about Alex is he he didn't just talk about what he learned from Grant. He also talked about all of the insecurities he brought to the call. So he would say something like, you know, when I when I started talking to Grant, one of the lessons that he taught me was I need to have more output with my personal brand. So before I talked to Grant, I was posting once every few days on Instagram and Grant just looked at me and he said, well, I post every day. Do you post every day? And he's like, no, I don't post every day. I don't need to post every day. And Grant just said, well, what about sales? What do you recommend your sales teams to do? Oh, no. Well, you got to always sell. You always got to rework your prospect. And Grant just looked at him and he said, well, why aren't you doing it through your personal brand? You clearly aren't taking your personal brand as seriously as you are with your sales org. And Alex just mm-hmm. said, oh, wow, that's true. But he shares that full flow. He doesn't just go straight to the insight like a lot of people do, including me, by the way. I do this a lot too, by the way, where I go straight to the insight, but I don't go through the mess ups. Oh, I screwed up all of these ideas and I came to this. I do this on this podcast not the others. Whereas Alex does that with every video. And that's what got me interested in him. And I started entering the rabbit hole and I read his book, which is rare for me to say. For those who are new to me, that's a big thing for me to say because I don't wow. read books. I read that's, his book. That is, that is a big deal, man. I'm surprised. So wait, let's, I don't know if you, we talked, you talked about this too much, but this idea of output, talk about the business card thing that you shared. Did you mention that already? Yeah, sure. Let me let me do that again, just in case, right? So repetition is a mother invention anyways. So, so sometimes, hey, by the way, sometimes it's not about what you learn, it's about what you're reminded of. <laughs> so you could have heard this. If you were in the beginning listening in, and, and Brendan said this when I when I went away for a minute, and now he's gonna say it again, and now write it down, and now figure out how you're gonna apply it. How will you take action on this tip? I tell you what, just in this last two minutes, my wheels are turning for my business and like you settle, you make, you create stories about why you only do X, Y, or Z, why you only release three videos a week or do one social media post every other day or every third day. And you justify it because you're rationalizing. You're saying, well, I don't need to, or it's not necessary, or that's too much, or people don't want that much. Don't assume or rationalize why you're doing something because it makes your life easier. 
Instead, figure out what's the right thing to do for the situation I'm, I'm in. In a lot of cases, this next tip that Brendan's going to share for the second time, you might have the quantity of output off from what it should be. Oh, yeah. And let's build on that from a mindset perspective. because This is all Alex Hormoz. I mean, we could spend three hours talking about this guy. I have so much to say. And we could probably have a part two or a part seven on this guy because I'm still learning from him because he's always dropping gems. But I would say the other piece is, and because that's what I like about Alex. He's very tough love. That's why most of his audience, unfortunately, mm. hopefully more, but they're mostly men. Because he's very aggressive with this stuff, kind of like Gary, right? Yeah. So going back to Alex, I would say one thing that he says is the reason most people aren't rich is because they judge the rich. They don't try to be like the rich. They judge the rich. They don't try to be like the rich. So what does that mean? So a lot of people who are not wealthy, like me, right? We might look at Alex and say, well, you know, he's lucky. He did that. Uh, Yeah, he was born into wealth, blah, 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 versus just realizing the truth that actually, you know, fun fact, you can look this up online. It's from the millionaire next door. Most millionaires are actually self-made. And I believe the number was 30 or 40% of billionaires are self-made. So the whole, the whole notion that everyone is just handed money from their parents is not true. So the idea of this is so important, especially in the context of output, because it's it's not about the emotion around being rich. It's about what is the output necessary to be rich. So I'll give you an example. Let's say you sell a product for a thousand bucks and person A calls 10 people, one person buys and they make a thousand bucks and they go, oh my God, I made a thousand bucks today. I'm super tired. I got rejected nine times. I don't want to do this. Whereas person B, the person who actually is rich will go, Wow, I got a sale out of 10 people and I got one yes. Okay, so that must mean that if I sell three of these a day, I will make a million dollars a year. $3,000 a day for a year is a million dollars. Okay, so if my acceptance rate is 10%, that means I need to talk to 30 people, get rejected 27 times and get three sales every day, right? So it's a very different mindset. So going back to output, let me tell you the story that he shares a lot. So when he was early on in his business, he was in mid, mid to late 20s. By the way, another point that we actually haven't even talked about, this guy's young as hell. I, I don't want to swear because LinkedIn, It's young, he's young as like crazy. Like this guy's like 32, 33 or something. He like literally built a nine figure business by the time he was like 29 or something, which is mm. absolutely bonkers, which is another story for another day. But the point is when we think about the idea of output, one of the lessons he taught, he was like 27 or something at the time. And he was, he was talking to someone who was more successful than him. And he said, hey, I'm trying to get more sales in for my gym trying to sell more gym packages. And the guy just said, oh, did you try pamphlets? He's like, oh yeah, just send pamphlets. You'll be successful. So Alex sent out like 400 <laughs> pamphlets and he didn't get a single lead. So he went back to the guy and he said, dude, like I sent pamphlets. And the guy just said, awesome, bro. How many pamphlets did you send? And then Alex said, 400. And the, the guy just looked at him and he said, oh yeah, that's the problem. And I send like three or 4,000 pamphlets a month. And Alex sat there and he just said, how many pamphlets? He's like, yeah, we sell like 50, 70,000 pamphlets a year. That's And then you get, you know, one out of 5,000, one out of 3,000, then you make your money back. So yeah, just send more pamphlets. So just the notion of output is just completely different from other people. And how that translates to my business, by the way, just as a kind of a side note, is when I heard that, I was like, shit, okay, how many Indian people are in the US and in Canada? There's millions. Okay, well, if I get 1% of that community to be clients, I'll have 30,000 clients. And if each of them pays three grand, I make $10 million. So that's so that's how it changed my <laughs> mindset around just going like, oh, like, why do I only have three clients or 20 yeah. or 50? So yeah. That's, again, it's so simple yet powerful. And especially if you can really apply it to your own life, your own situation, 
and think about what is it that you have concocted in your mind as a belief because probably you want something to be convenient or safe or in your comfort zone. And as a result, this story exists that you only need to do X, Y, or Z, or this is more than enough. People tease me all the time because I'm kind of a go big or go home type of guy. In fact, I have a nickname, Believe It, because people often can't believe what I just did because I go sometimes over the top with things, whether that be a party, a movie, what name it. But I'll tell you what, it's been one of the best things that's been a part of who I am is that I I do tend, and you're that way too. You're an aggressive action taker. You take massive action. Now, the caveat to that is massive action for massive action's sake isn't necessarily the right answer, which is why you got to monitor. You got to test and pivot. Figure out what works. Figure out what doesn't. Do more of what works. Do less of what doesn't. And be willing to try new things to add into the mix that may work better than the thing that's already working. So let's wind this one down. What I know we could talk for three hours on him, which we will do a part two, but look at your list right now and find me something that's going to blow the socks off someone listening right now that's going to change their life. I want to change somebody's life right now with this last insight. So that's the uh, task at hand. You got a list of items from Alex Ramosi who's really done an amazing job of inspiring and influencing you and I'm sure countless others, millions others, and he's only just getting started. So what would be something that would be a final insight? And in addition to that final insight, anything that you want to share to wrap everything up in a nice, neat, tidy bow? Brendan Kumarasamy, take it away. Absolutely, brother. I'd love to close on this. And it's simple. It's a hormoseism that I absolutely love. And it's something I'll always remember. And I repeat all the time with the people around me. It's so simple that nobody does it. It's so simple. All the tactics we should are so simple. They're so easy that nobody does it. Everyone thinks success is about this fancy golden key that opens the door to Narnia. And then you get to Narnia, you talk to a lion, and then the lion <laughs> brings you to this. this I'm amazed world. you know that much about Narnia, by the way. I okay. don't. I totally made up all that shit, man. I, I'm pretty sure. I'm glad That's it was all That's pretty correct. impressive, I man. Totally it's pretty it impressive. I honestly never watched right. Narnia, and I totally made all that up, but I'm glad that was accurate. So let's just keep it that way. But anyways, the key is, the point is, it's so simple that nobody does it, Billy. And this is his three-pronged approach to success, which is similar to what you said. Step one, try a bunch of shit. Step two, figure out what shit is working and triple down on it. Step three, repeat steps one and two. That's it. That's it. Boom. Sometimes the simplest things are the most impactful. Sometimes they can change your life if you allow them to. So love this topic. I love your enthusiasm and passion for this topic. I'm glad that there were some questions peppered in there that challenged you, that forced you to think, helped you come up with new frameworks. Hopefully for anyone listening right now, you got something from this. If you did, let us know. Send us a DM, send Brendan a DM, send me a DM and let us know what was most impactful. We love hearing from you and thank you for being a part of this journey. If you haven't yet gone to be one of the 24,000 people subscribed to Master Talk on YouTube, go check it out, subscribe. You get a ton of value and really, really life-changing communication tips that will help you excel in the world of how we talk to other people. Check out this show at insideoutshow.com. We have new episodes every week. We take moments from this and share it as a podcast. 
Until next time, please make it an amazing one. We'll talk to you guys very, very soon. Thanks for being with us on Inside Out. Peace. Thank you for listening to this episode of Inside Out. I hope you took away some valuable insights that will help you in business and in life. If you like this show, the best payment you can give is to rate, review, and subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast platform. You can also listen to past episodes and see a breakdown of all the best insights by going to insightoutshow.com. And for the record, there's no greater compliment than sharing this show with your friends on social media. So if there's an insight or a lesson that you liked, please share it and tag both me and today's guest. And until next time, remember, your next life-changing breakthrough moment may happen when you least expect it. Insight out.